I sense a great disturbance in the force. It's that time of year again. It's the Order Sports Top 50 on Motorsport 101. Why do I keep agreeing to do this? <laughs> Welcome to our New Year special of Motorsport 101. I am your friendly neighborhood host, Dre Harrison. And it's the time to put a neat little bow on our podcasting year of 2022 because it's time for that yearly tradition again. It's the Autosport Top 50 Reaction Pod. I'm Dre Harrison. I, I repeat for the upteenth time, I have not seen the list. I genuinely do not know any of the names featured or in what order. We are here for our general reaction to said list. It's the mecca of motorsport pound-for-pound lists year-on-year year from our friends, and I say that in inverted commas, Auto Sport Magazine. We got friends of the pod on the pot on this show here. We got yeah. that's, a, that's a cool thing about like Autosport bringing in a younger generation of writers and contributors is that you know a lot of them are our peers, and, and we do this out of love. Uh, sometimes you do make silly price placements, but that's kind of the, the territory of aggregating uh, a top 50 list from all corners of four-wheel motorsport. There will be mm. no bikes, unfortunately. But, you know, sometimes you need to give your friends a heat check. Yes, yes. <laughs> This is our vibe check for the year, everybody. Like We're getting the Christmas fits in. We're having the Lewis Hamilton Instagram story of Kim carrying the big gallon water bottle. We're just checking in with our friends and making sure they're okay. With me, as you probably have already noticed by now, we got a special guest filling in, and it's our old friend and yours, Mr. Ryan Eric King. Merry Christmas, King. How are you? Yes, <sighs> Merry Christmas. Happy to be back. You know, again, gotta gotta be here to give friends a heat. <laughs> <laughs> He's come over from Jalopnik to restore order and bring balance to the force. He he is our podcasting's mace window. Uh, we love to see it. It's, also, with us as ever, Merry Christmas to RJ O'Connell. I thought this was going to be like a heat check in like the literal sense, because uh, oh. a lot of the United States is like freaking frozen, freezing over as of the time we're recording this. <laughs> it's, it, it was pretty bad for us in the UK last week as well. Like it was like minus five, minus six Celsius, which I think is about 23, 24 in US Fahrenheit. So uh, it was rough out here um it was rough out here in these streets uh to say the least um it's gotten a bit warmer now we, we now call it um pleasantly mild um <laughs> over here in the uk at the moment we're up to a whopping nine i, I, I love that again siri I, I had to interrupt me as well on that one that's beautiful but we're also but, joined by special guest siri <laughs> <laughs> just just checking on our friends as well it's it's it, it's it's a big it's a great big friend check damn um, i can't believe apple replaced cam with ai <laughs> <laughs> it's the first in the long line of ai replacement jobs going around the country first mcdonald's then your podcasts what's next uh, uh american open wheel racing on motorsport simulators as a service boo <laughs> yeah, we're recording this right off the back of the news that, uh, yeah, uh, IndyCar will basically be no more on iRacing in the next week or so. And that makes me very sad. Exclusivity is bad, folks. We like having more race cars and more accessibility to them on our sim racing world and racing games in general. Please don't be stingy about this IndyCar. Like, 
let the people drive your cars. You know, <laughs> that'd be nice. Does they need to siphon this off to a game with a studio that has a glistening reputation at the moment? You know, yeah, a glistening games. reputation of what? Uh, pumping money into a simulator platform that they didn't make. Uh, a mediocre NASCAR game that made everybody miss when uh, 704 Games was just repackaging the same 20-year-old title with fresh skins on it. Mm. And uh, a whole lot of nothing since then, other than headlines that make everybody suggest that this is just a front for money laundering. Yay. Um, besides that, everything's it's going fine. Uh, besides that, everything's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I say to IndyCar... Good luck to them, although we might have to rescind last week's participation trophy award that they won and instead put them as a last-minute contender for the Golden Cock. Because, uh, but we already gave it to McLaren! We can make another. <laughs> There's room for two here, baby. Um, I can't believe I just said that out loud. Oh, dear God. Oh, I'm killing time till this list comes out. God help us all. Right, places you can find us in the meantime while I recover my brain. Uh, you're on YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101, Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101, or on Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101. But to follow our personal handles, you can at Harrison101HD, at RJ O'Connell, and at Ryan Eric King. For Cam, you can follow him at CBuckley917, just yank out the vowels. He's a little under the weather. He'll be back uh, to start off the new year. So look forward to that. Get well soon, big man. Um, you can follow us on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101. All of our Christmas specials are going to all our Patreon backers early, but normally it'd be five bucks. But hey, it's the giving season. So there's no better time to back us on Patreon, if I do say so myself. And of course, you can check all of that out on our website, Motorsport. 101.com as well for all of our content and written stuff as well. I'm afraid I'm tempted to write a full-on review of the Formula One Secret Santa video. It's, it's a dry time for content. What can I say? <laughs> Don't laugh in the background. It was a very funny video seeing Alex Albon get gift used slippers. <laughs> this requires deep forensic analysis. All right, I've put this off no longer. That's the housekeeping out of the way. Let's get into the Autosport Top 50. Okay, gentlemen, hit me with it. <laughs> What's the damage going to be this year, I wonder? Oh, man. Oh, man. A am I going to be the one who, who reads out the names? Am I still doing it? Oh, um, do we do want to take turns? I think what we'll do this time, uh, I've been trying to, like, you know, spice up the format, and we realized that, like, you know, maybe maybe the format was already good. So we're going back to basic. We're just going 50 to 1. Sure. Uh, okay. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll get the first 10, you get the next 10. Sure. Okay. Okay. So, starting off our list, number 50, Mikel Kona, the WTCR champion, huh? the Czech's Notes last WTCR champion. Wow. <laughs> Are we are we getting the touring cars out of the way early this year? Is that it? Like yeah. So <laughs> so while as Kona was the champion, he was a champion with only four race wins on the year. Hmm. Uh, admittedly, it was a somewhat abbreviated season. It ended up being sixteen races because the two rounds that were scheduled to be at the held at the Nurburgring were canceled because they're because the entire series batch of Goodyear tires were defective. 
Yeah, I remember that. It got Gosh. so it's it got so bad that Lincoln Co., who were the dominant force in World Touring Car Cup uh, for the last couple of years, actually pulled out of the series over concerns about the tires. So the top team in the sport pulls out midseason. There's nothing as Kona can do about it. He, he beat the drivers that were left in front of him. It's a wonderful story about a driver that decided, you know what, instead of just chasing the junior formula ladder out of carts, why not just go into production-based racing and be good at that? And he has done good at that. Yeah, I mean, and and his role at Hyundai has been basically find and replace Tarkini for Ascona. Hmm. Well, I'm not a touring car guy. I'm not going to pretend to be. Normally, you see touring cars in this sort of section, normally like mid to low 40s. So if we're getting them out of the way early, I'm comp- I'm surprisingly okay with this. Okay, well, next man up. Yeah, number 49. We're getting another guy out of the way early. It is Sebastian Ogier. Uh, oh, okay. So despite retiring from full-time competition in the World Rally Championship, his part-time campaign with Toyota, as well as a stint in the in the World Endurance Championship and LMP2, was good enough to keep him on the list. Hmm. See, I'm not sure how I feel about part-time entries. Like, it's like, how good do you have to be part-time to top some people up here full-time? And that's always going to be a difficult one to answer, isn't it? I mean, uh- yeah. I will argue in favor of Ogier. He won Rally Spain. He did win in his limited appearance and probably could have, probably could have, should have won Rally Monte Carlo. Yeah, which, you know, biggest event of the WRC calendar. And he is still clinging onto the list down 45 spots in last year. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that's understandable given the part-time schedule. But yeah, I mean, that's that seems fair enough to me. Um, cool, next up. Yeah, at number 48, the DTM vice champion, uh, Lucas Hour. Okay. So we are getting the touring car guys out of the way early. <laughs> yes, they totally still race touring cars He's in the totally. German touring car champions. <laughs> <clears throat> um, yeah, yeah, that's totally what they are. They're totally not GT3s. Um, <laughs> don't worry. The DTM's going perfectly well at the moment. Isn't that they've right, been King? Na- They've been nationalized. We have nationalized <laughs> DTM. <laughs> Right. I'm all I'm all around the subject of like because uh, apparently Nepo babies are all the rage. Uh, Lucas Hour is of course Gerhard Berger's uh, nephew. Uh, it was a close championship fight between him and Sheldon Vanderlinde, uh, but Hour just came out in second place. It was it was one without a dusty finish. I'll I'll say that at least. Yeah. Mm. Where that's a plus. Yep, and he's new on the list, and I'd say he deserves to be here. Okay, that's cool. Again, I can't say I'm the big, you know, DTM sort of like sports car guy, but this seems roughly fine given generally where these sorts of guys end up, from my experience. So, largely fine with this so far. Next. Next. uh, Getting this out of the way early. It is this year's British touring car champion, Ah. Tom Ingram at 47. There we go. There's the BTCC (laughs) champ. A tradition and a tale as old as time. The BTCC champs ends up somewhere in the mid-40s. And it's a trend that has long continued. Um, Yeah, like, 
I actually did watch a couple of rounds of the BTCC this year because I was bored. And yeah, like Ingram was the best in a close title race. Good for him. Um, yeah, next up, King. Yeah, next up. Next up, 46, the Tandy Man, Nick Tandy. Sixth in oh. the World Endurance Championship GTE Pro Class. The Tandy Man can because he races it with love and makes the race taste good. Um, yeah, he... Would have been GTE Pro champion, but his teammate Alex Sims was taken out. So, yeah, one of those things. And again, it's like those sports cars and those multiple driver programs are always tricky to evaluate because it's like, how do you score their contributions? Um, in case you haven't wondering, I'm not saying very much right now because the first eight to ten spots is always a bit of a picky process. You're kind of feeling out where the ladder is at the moment and seeing who goes where. And then obviously you can, you can start making comparisons the more information you've got in front of you. So bear with me on this one, listeners. Um, but yeah, traditionally, um, BTCC and like GTE guys normally end up around this sort of the of the ladder well, of the 50. you say that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have a lot to say about the next selection. Oh. Uh-oh. Re-entering the... Re- Re-entering the list, the lowest-ranked Formula One driver to make the list, hmm? number 45, Kevin Magnuson. Huh? K-Mag made it in? Yep, K-Mag made it in. I'm not even sure K-Mag was the best Haas driver in his own team this season. <laughs> I will read this from Matt Q, who contributed the uh, the little blurb of these top 50s. And by the way, King made an excellent point. Uh, the way the top 50 is laid out is just like, it's it's kind of embarrassing how they just like made 50 separate mini articles because we got to publish content. But uh, it starts with, did Poland Brazil get Kevin Madison over the line here? It helped, but he was in the frame for a top 50 spot anyway. That's because he was brought back in for the cold and immediately moved Mick Schumacher aside to lead Haas. So... I'm going to just spoil it now. Mick Schumacher does not make the list. Oh, God. Like, I'd like to point out that pound for pound, as we pointed out in our F1 season review a few weeks ago, on races they both finished, Mick Schumacher beat Kevin Magnussen 11-6 head-to-head this season. Kevin made the list. Mick didn't. So I guess that means points still mean prizes because K-Mag clearly cashed in most when the car was good enough to score and then when Mick was better the car probably wasn't good enough to score regularly, and that's probably done Mick in. And that's unfortunate. Don't get me wrong, the poll in Brazil was impressive, and that always helps. It was probably Hass's shining moment as a team in F1 so far, but mm, I don't like that one from K-Mag. I, I, I don't like that ranking. That's uh, a bit of an eyebrow raiser, because you could make a very valid argument that when it mattered on Sundays, Mick was the better Haas driver this year. Yeah. Okay. Next up on the list, number 44 of three spots on last year, hmm. Johan Christofferson, the Ooh. world rally cross champion and runner up in extreme eight. We just don't like the world rally cross anymore. Do we? It's just, uh, <laughs> five time. Five time, five time, five time, five time, in the words of Booker T, World Rallycross champion, and probably could have been in with a chance to win the Extreme E championship if they didn't have a bad final round in Uruguay. Yeah, pretty much. And it's it 
Extremely is a case of, you know who the final two are going to be. It's going to be whatever team has Christofferson and Sebastian Loeb, because they're just <laughs> literally the two best short course off-road drivers alive. Yeah, yeah, and that's kind of how it felt. And this time, the other guy won it. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it's... Uh, <sighs> Again, World Rally Cross is tricky to evaluate. I still think as a championship, it should probably be a little higher than like mid forties. But we've got to fit the F one guys in somewhere, yeah, like Kevin I, Magnuson. And <laughs> I, I think it's a victim of Christofferson's dominance because the yeah. fact he he wins his fifth consecutive championship. He only lost two races this year. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 impressive. No matter which way you slice it, um, that's pretty good going. Um, yeah, like I, I, I think you should probably be a little higher than that, as is the impression that I get. But hey, you know, is, is anybody really here for Extreme after two seasons? No, Anyone? because he won the championship last year. Low won it this year. Like, I guess he got marked down for not winning it again. Mm, mm, I guess so. Next up, King. Okay, next up on our list, it is, oh, it is, I'm just going to just start off, it's a sports car driver, so there are going to be a lot of accolades in this guy's year. Okay. Uh, he is the European Le Mans Series champion, he was fifth in LMP2 in the World Endurance Championship, and he was seventh in IMSA's LMP2 category, number 43, Louis Delatraz. Ah, Delatraz. Okay. I did see a lot of Delatraz in sports cars whenever he was streaming it on M101 this year. We do we do stream a lot of uh, sports cars, but mostly because of Cam. Otherwise, he gets very pissy with us if we don't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wait to listen to this one back. Um, but I, I did see Delatraz up there a fair amount. And I guess, you know, when you're in three different series and you're quite prolific in all three of them, I guess that's only going to help your argument. Um it yeah, just a couple notes about Delatraz. Uh, the only reason he didn't win the ELMS and IMSA driver's titles in LMP2 is that there was an ELMS round that clashed with an IMSA round. So right. he had to pick one or the other. Uh, he had six victories on the season in total between all three of the championships. None of them were in World Endurance Championship rounds. Huh. Yeah. I that. And, and next year, he's going to be uh, one of Acura's endurance drivers in the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship in LMDH. Yeah, nice. like Delatraz is one of the guys who transitioned out of single seaters, put a prolific amount of time in LMP2, and like all the dudes who moved over aiming for a ride in the top category, he got it. Yeah. Fair enough. That's uh, that. I'm, I'm completely okay with this. Um, okay, next up, number forty, I think. Uh, forty-two. Forty-two. Sorry, so, number forty-two, runner-up in IMSA this year and ninth in the World Endurance Championship LMP2 category. It is Felipe Albuquerque. Ah, the man's Felipe. <laughs> okay, I mean. RJ, you're probably a bit more qualified on this one than me, given the top end of, of sports cars, but uh, that kind of seems about right. He, yeah. Uh, Albuquerque was putting Wayne Taylor Racing in the championship fight for pretty much all season. He helped them to win at Watkins Glen, at Road America, at Laguna Seca. Um, he had, I believe, a shortened campaign in 
yeah, he was he was ninth in world in a world nerds championship, but it was just kind of a weird year where the brakes didn't seem to go. Thing this is more carried by his IMSA results, and he was very much the man of this team. Mm. Okay, no, that sounds about right to me. Then again, I've watched Philippe Albuquerque race a lot this year. That that seems about fair. Cool. Getting getting some vibes about this early list. K Mag's the only real massively egregious outlier to me so far because it makes me wonder if K Mag made this list, how many F1 drivers ended up making this list? Because K Mag was not even in consideration for my top ten F1 drivers of the year when I wrote that on the site a couple weeks ago. So uh I'm yeah. nervy about this, to say the least. Um yeah, King, last one for the first ten, I believe. Yeah, last one for the first ten. Down 24 spots, despite being the World Endurance Champion in LMP2. He was eighth in Formula E this year. Antonio Felix da Costa. Mm. So are they evaluating Formula E as a more prolific series then? Because that's probably where the bulk of his uh, come down probably comes from. Oh, here. yeah. Absolutely. Because yeah. he was, he was champion last year. Yeah. yeah. It's an all-pro single-seater championship versus a pro-am championship where you share a car. That makes sense. Um, yeah, like, the Costa just wasn't at the races in Formula E this past season, not to the normal really high levels he's been before. We didn't get six races in Berlin, which probably didn't help his case either. Mm. Um, <laughs> but, um, I mean, Vern was better than him in Formula E this year as well, which, again, isn't going to help. It's a bit of a come. I mean, Tichita in general wasn't quite the juggernaut that many of us thought they were going to be going into this year. So, yeah, like, 24 is a bit harsh, but, yeah, I can see it, given he was only a midfielder in Formula E this year as opposed to series champ. And I'm just going to make a note of this, because I'm pretty sure we spent more time talking about uh, DeCosta's placement on the list than Autosport actually did. Kind of dropping the the mini article they posted into Google Docs. The word count on the article itself is exactly 101 words. Oh, On nice. brand. On brand. <laughs> Short and sweet for the Costa section. Yeah, yeah, he, he he was here. He was okay in Formula E, and he won a World Endurance Championship class. But hey, that's neither here nor there. Um, yeah, so into the top 40. All right, uh, we start with our 40th entry. He is the winner of the Nürburgring 24-hour race, and he was the co-champion at the GT World Challenge European Sprint Cup. He is brand-new BMW factory driver, formerly of Audi, the younger two racing brothers, Dries Vantor. Okay. Okay. Hmm. 40. It Doesn't feels seem... it feels right. It feels about right. Like I don't think again. I don't think this is massively egregious. I think this is about okay so far. <coughs> um, pardon me. Um, <coughs> yeah, I feel like like I was thinking he'd be a little higher than this personally, but <laughs> it's it's not. It doesn't feel like it's a huge outlier to me that he's only forty here. Yeah, I'd probably have him 40, somewhere in the low 30s, but 40, yeah. bottom of the window, but fine. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm largely fine with that. I thought it'd be a bit higher, given he won uh, the, the Nürburgring 24 and what have you. I thought it'd be a bit higher than that. And Van Four was one of the dudes in 
in GT sports car racing this year. So, yeah, bit surprised. He's, he's, he's a, he's a, it seems a little low, but again, I don't think it's ma- it's a massive problem. Next up, Arjo? Number 39 is a man who won two of his last four events uh, to finish third in the FIA World Rally Championship. The star driver of the Hyundai factory team, Thierry Neuville, down three spots from last year. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's, that sounds about right. Yeah, that does sound about right, too. Um, yeah, Neuville's, again, been around this sort of range quite similar to last year in terms of how his overall season played out. That's the impression that I get. You know, finished strong, which is always nice in the eyes of the judges. Always helps to finish strong. Yeah, um, helps to finish strong. And also, like, while I do enjoy the World Rally Championship, when the two Sebastians are showing up part-time and still showing everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to make everybody else look bad by proxy. Uh, it's like, no, Ogier and Loeb are still really goddamn good at this. Um, sorry, fellas. Um, they're only here because they want to be here, and they could probably beat you over a full season if they really wanted to be here. Yeah. Whoops. <laughs> uh, not Put ideal. Put a pin in that, a pin in that though. Um, number 38 in the list is our first entry from the world of the NASCAR Cup Series. A oh. three-time race winner, a championship for uh, represented for the first time in his career. A new entry in this list, number 38, Christopher Bell of Joe Gibbs Racing. Hmm. I'm okay with this. Well, this, this this feels about right. I mean, you watched a lot more NASCAR than you give yourself credit for. <laughs> I, I did. I ended up watching pretty much the entire season this year because, uh, you know, I, I had a lot of Sundays off and we just watched a lot of NASCAR together as like background noise a lot of the time because, you know, stage racing is can be a bit dull sometimes. I'm not going to lie. Like, I, I, I mildly enjoyed the NASCAR Sprint <laughs> Cup series this season. Um, yeah, Christopher Bell was really good this year. Like, you know, made the championship for, you know, was clutched down the stretch when he needed to be, you know, just a good overall season, was uh, was unlucky in a couple of places. I think he's top 50 worthy, and yeah, I think that's a pretty good spot for him. Yep. I'm okay with that, RJ. Coming in at number 37 uh, is the new... And the final champion of this series under uh, stewardship of the ITR, your new 2022 DTM champion and the younger of two racing brothers, Sheldon Vanderlind of BMW. Hmm. So the DTM champ ends up in the mid-30s, roughly. Okay. Well, I'd say about right. Not that, you know, Vanderlind isn't a better driver. It's more like... This is where the DTM's at right now. <laughs> yeah, like, I was like, like this is more an, a reflection on the state of DTM more than Vanderlinder himself, I think, which is I think is the is probably the biggest issue with all of this, as opposed to anything he did or didn't do out on track. Like, again, that's at least the impression that I get. Um, yeah, three, um, yeah, three think, wins, close season with fight with Lucas Hour and Rene Rast. On track, I'm sure it was fine, apart from some weird incidents. But Sheldon Vanderlinder was class. Yeah, I'd argue with that. Next up, number thirty-six, a man who drops twenty-one places from last season. He finished Oof. sixth in this year's Formula E championship. It's Jake Dennis of Avalanche Andretti. Now, I do remember Jake Dennis was exceedingly high last year, and I remember us recording and me thinking that Dennis <laughs> was probably a bit too high last yeah. year. So. 
I felt like unless the Avalanche Andretti team was, you know, um, going to, you know, get up there with title contention like they were last year when Dennis had a genuine shot to win it, then I would have been like, okay, you know, fair enough. Um, yeah, I, I guess that's a more fitting reflection of where Dennis is at more than anything else. I mean, better than the Costa, fair enough. Um, but Dennis is still really good in Formula yeah. I, I, I just don't think Avalanche was there as a team this year. Yeah, as Jake as Jake Botzell legs writes, um, he didn't struggle for pace, but it was more the fact that Andretti lost uh, their BMW work status that really, really hurt. But And he struggled with energy management uh, for reasons that weren't all his fault. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, I, I think I don't think the Avalanche team was as up there with the Mercedes of the world in Formula E this year, and I think that's probably that's probably what did Dennis in to a degree that stopped him from mounting a, a proper title challenge. Because I think we, we've seen Dennis is capable of doing that. So, you know, again, as a result, he's got to take a bit of a whack. But I think he was a bit high up last year, to be honest. So I'm, I'm kind of okay with it. Uh, next up, Gajo. Number 35 is a re-entry into the Autosport Top 50. He finished third in the FIA World Endurance Hypercar Drivers Championship and finished second overall in this year's 24 Hours of Le Mans. He is Jose Maria Lopez of Toyota Gazoo Racing. Hmm. I, I, part of me wishes Cam was here because he'd have some thoughts on this one, let me tell you. Um, I, hmm. This is uh this is always the tricky one because when they do include drivers from endurance racing, they don't include the full trio. They just kind of tend to go with the driver that they think is the best. And Jose Maria Lopez, to people who've been following the sport, seems like a curious induction over Mike Conway or Kamui Kobayashi, who right. long been the standard bearers for that team. So uh, Gary- I, I do note that Autosport claims, and I'm going to put that's really important. Autosport claims. claims that Pacino Lopez was the fastest of the three. Was he? Because from what <laughs> I saw of sports cars and how I know people talked about him on our Discord server, I did not get that impression. <laughs> I, I could go look at. I could go see if I can find the B pillars numbers on this at least for Lamar. So while you look that up, I should like one of my gripes about this list, especially when it comes to the sports car trios and duos we have, is. If they get included on the list, I feel like they should be joint on that on that place where they're ranked. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, yeah. That would solve a lot of problems. Yeah, unless like you know one of them competed in multiple championships with different teammates and stood out in each championship. Yeah, That's if, the only exception. If there's something like a Delatraz that can break the tie, then fair enough. Like that, that that's fine. But if 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 it's close. It's probably just easier for everybody involved to contextualize it if you just put the drivers in the same car on the same spot. Yeah. Like that, I think that would be a fairer way of doing it. And it gives you an excuse to put more names on the list. Everybody's a winner. Hmm. Uh, all right. So, brief tangent before we move on. I did find the fastest 50% of racing laps per driver as provided by the B Pillar at thebpillar.com. Uh, Jose Maria Lopez was second on the board with an average lap of 3 minutes 30.0383 seconds. His fastest rolling three lap average was a 328.3. Uh, he was second behind. Kamui Kobayashi with a 329.9 <laughs> and an identical rolling three lap average. Ooh. 
So Kamui was, you could make a case, ever so slightly faster. Just a little bit. Well, Kamui better be higher up this list then. If not, I'm going to have questions. <laughs> oh, we're going to... I hope we have questions. Uh-oh. Mm. Hey, um, have you noticed a lack of something on this list, Ray? Um, good question. It's, it's junior formula drivers. Yes, they do normally stop popping up around this sort of range. <laughs> At number 34 is... The brand spanking new Aston Martin F1 reserve driver, a birth oh. that he earned by becoming the newest Formula 2 champion, Felipe Dragovich. Huh. And he absolutely dominated. Five wins, six podiums. Uh, <laughs> he pretty much led almost wire to wire, not entirely wire to wire, but it was a great third season and right. a great return on investment for MV Motorsport who had for a long time been down in the doldrums but now they're starting to show that they are a powerhouse in this series yeah I mean this was a landmark year for, for Drogovic, um, for MP Motorsport in general like Drogovic completely dominated Formula 2 this year and he ends up lower 30s Feels a bit harsh, but yeah, normally, I mean, the best of the juniors ends up normally a little higher than this, if memory serves. Um, this Hey, I'm sorry to take away a little bit of the suspense, but this is the only junior formula representative that we have on this list. Yeah, no one in F2, F3, or any other junior categories on the top 50 this it's year. It's a shame, because I think Victor Martins probably should have got on this list somewhere, but I guess Formula 3 was so competitive that it, I mean, it might have just weakened everybody's argument by proxy. Um, yeah, I mean, if you're going to have only one junior guy on the list, Felipe Drogovic has to be that guy. There, there's no argument about that. He dominated F2 this year. Um, I guess maybe the back of the head thought that he's a three-year guy. Third-year fun ruiner. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's weakened his own argument because he's not an ex a super exciting pick like a George Russell. No, oh. the next pick, though, RJ. <laughs> That's right. Go on. We're hmm. back into the Formula One bag with a driver who was who re-enters the list, 19th place in the Formula One World Championship with three top ten finishes. Alex Albon of Williams Racing. <laughs> huh? <laughs> Congrats, Alex. You had a really good season at Williams. You were just barely better than Felipe Dragovic, a third season junior. <sighs> I don't know about that one, but, Chief. But then again, you, you get into the, the F1 arithmetic and, you know, uh, Albon, better better than Magnussen. Schumacher doesn't even make the list. This is a weird... It's, it's like Magnussen really was nowhere near my top 10. And then we just, like, jumped five spots on the list and then got to Alex Albon, who was a debatable top 10. Like, he was, he was, he was my honorable <laughs> mention where I openly said... He'd be number 11 on my list, and I was considering him over Sebastian Vettel. So I think that's a little low for Albon. Like, I don't think his season was all that much different from what George Russell did last year, minus the mm. freak result at Spa. And George Russell was very high up as far as I can remember. So this feels kind of harsh on Albon, to be honest with you. I think he deserved a bit of a higher place in this. I know F1's the pinnacle series, and it will always have 
inflated ratings because it's F1. But this feels a little low, personally, especially with Drogovic right next to him. <laughs> yeah. Next. We go to number 32 on the list, the man that finished fourth in this year's ABB FIA Formula E Championship, who also had a cup of coffee with the brand new Peugeot factory hypercar team doing three races and not doing much with them because they've still got porpoising problems. But that's not the fault of the number 32 man on the list. Re-entering the list this year, Jean-Eric Verne. Jeff's back. Jeff is back. Like one half of your favorite motorsport marriage. Um, <laughs> of people involved in the name Dre. Um, but yes. Um, hmm. Jeff wasn't half bad in FE this year. Jeff was still pretty Jeff um, in, a, in a good way. Not it's quite. About, it's about as good as you can get without winning a race all year. Which is surprising that he you forget he went winless. Yeah, you forget he went winless in FE this year. It feels like he should have won a couple in there somewhere, but no, he didn't. Um, I know the series. I know Autosport generally values Formula E quite highly. So, yeah, in a vacuum, I'm okay with this. It just feels a bit weird. He's directly above Albon and Dragovic. Something yeah. it's like those three together from those three main series is a bit all over the place. I'm gonna hold that, hold, put a pin in that because yeah, I'm okay. about to wrap up this block of the top t- of our top fifty uh, with our number thirty-one entrant who drops ten places uh, this year. He finished tenth in the Formula One World Championship. Oh, from Orlin Alfa Romeo Formula One team, Valtteri Bottas. Hmm. This is weird. This this section of the list is weird. Like, yeah. like, like Valtteri Bottas, I had 12th on my pound-for-pound pound F1 list, and he ended up ahead of Albon here. And Bottas's season was kind of weird because all of his points were front-loaded in the first third of the season. Like, it's, it's a weird one because Bottas was really good to start the year and then was actually not quite as good as the year went on. Um, and he ended up 31st? Um, hmm. First out of fifty, it's I mean, okay. It's... Like it's like it's okay in a vacuum again, but the the guys around him, it makes it look weird. Like, like was he better than Albon pound for pound this year? I don't know. All, all I'm going to say is this list is about to go weirder. <laughs> all right, but first rate heat check. How you feeling, buddy? Like we started out fine. We started out fine. The first 10, you know, again, like I said, traditionally, they're, they're the feeling out spots. This is getting weird quite quickly. Um, 35 to 31 in particular, very strange. Um, I, I'd say that it's, I don't want to say it's the, the newer staff at Autosport, but there's they're clearly changing tides on where people view certain series. It's clear that Formula E uh, is still the in their mind the number two single seater championship yeah. it's good yeah. that they value formula e because formula e doesn't even value formula e yeah, they yeah. won't even put it on channel so, four so uh, yeah <laughs> it, it is in their mind still the number four like two single seater championship but it's clearly declined in stock right like no i think that's all very fair um in the 
Yes, like it. It's it's clear that Effie is not valued what it used to be, but it is still number two for single seaters. That is probably fair. We've seen a lot of the big hitters in sports cars already go by. We've had our one junior rep already. Um, it's I, I feel weird, and as King said, it's probably about to get weirder. So King, tell me more. Well, number thirty on the list, the World Endurance Champion, oh. the winner of the twenty four hours of Le Mans. No. Other qualifiers necessary. You won it out. It won both outright. Fifteenth in Formula E this year. Number thirty, Sebastian Poiling. Hmm. So the man was, you could make a case, the best driver in in the WEC this year. Thirty. Because again, as, as you mentioned, King, <laughs> Formula E's probably dragged him down because his time at the back end of his run at at Nissan and what have you has um, not been good. Um, yeah, that is a man who needed a change of scenery in terms of Formula E. No complaints of the sports car racing side of things, though. He is still yeah. that dude. He, he's oh, yeah. still that dude. He's still that dude good enough to get two, to get two salaries from Nissan and Toyota. <laughs> mm. But sadly, that era is now over because he's going to Envision. And yeah. Sasha Fenestraz is not going to be able to collect checks for Nissan and Toyota. Well, damn. The, the, the great unifier of, of Japanese motorsport, Sebastian Buemi, goes to Envision Virgin Racing. That'll yeah. be interesting. Yeah, I mean, that that feels like they've weighted it more towards his Formula E standing rather than his sports car standing, which, yeah, as we've established, is the way they're evaluating this. So if you're going by that criteria, then fair enough. Um, but uh, I feel like that she should be a little higher given how good he was in the WEC this year. But uh, again, let, let, let's see where this goes. Next up, King. Yeah, number 29 on the list. Up 10 spots on last year. 12th in the Formula One World Championship. Probably the last time he'll be on this list, Sebastian Vettel. Huh. In fact, this list is perfect, actually. I have no problems with this. <laughs> Whatsoever. Um, good to see the church has made its fine return to the list after a long and, and, and painful hiatus. We are... I want you to put the word out there, King, that we back up. Um, <laughs> briefly. For, for one year, as a final swan song to the list of the top 50, Sebastian Vettel is uh, there at 28. Yeah, I... <sighs> I had him. I, I had him as better than Albon, better than Bottas, and better than K Mag. So, like, I guess I'm fine with this. <laughs> yeah, like, in terms of where he is on the list so far among the F1 drivers, I'm fine with it. Mm. But it does feel like he got a retirement bump into the top thirty. A little bit. A little bit. Um, we'll take it though, right? <laughs> of course. <laughs> Who, who am I to complain with the fine people at the Autosport about, about whether Sebastian Vettel should make the top 30 or not? Um, he's the best of the F1 guys I've mentioned so far on this list. So I'm, I guess, given where everybody else is in relation to that, I'm fine with it. I still think K-Mag shouldn't have been in the top 50 at all, but okay. Yeah, like, in my honest opinion, I'd probably remove K-Mag, and then move all the F1 drivers down to, you know, the lower driver's spot. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Okay, next up. Next up, first entry from the NTT IndyCar Series. Oh. He was fourth in the championship this year, number Ooh. 28, Scott McLaughlin. That's a nice spot for McLaughlin. Yeah. Um, I like it. 
I like it. I, I, I like it. I think that's actually one of the better rankings I've heard so far. You don't need me to say this. McLaughlin is a freak. Okay. He is an <laughs> outrageous talent. Um, he really could have genuinely challenged for the IndyCar Series title this year. Um, we've mentioned it on the show a few times this year. He really is that good. He really will be a top-tier dude in IndyCar, if not already. Um, and yeah, it's his own shortcomings, unfortunately, in the month of May that you know led to his season not being quite at the very top of the mountain for the series. And fourth is about right for where McLaughlin was, I think, all year long And on this list, given I hope the three people above him are featured higher they should be they probably will be so i'm largely okay with this oh oh no <laughs> i don't like that reaction um <laughs> oh boy okay uh, we'll see how we go but for now i like this spot yeah let's see what happens yeah um just before we move on david malcher lopez said quote all he needs in order to improve to be a true a true title threat is to eliminate the little costly errors in other words improve his worst days his best days have already proven he's got what it takes to be a champion at this level. Yeah, absolutely agreed. Yep. Okay. Down 22 spots on last year. Ooh. Number 27. Fifth in the NTT IndyCar Series, Alex Pillow. Oh. Now. Hang on a minute. This... Yeah, if you, if you do numbers in your head, fourth in the championship, 28. Fifth in the championship, 27. What are you doing? <laughs> they're, they're gone rogue. They're like, nah, nah, nah. This is how it should have been. Look, look, look. <laughs> we like Alex Polo on this show. We always have liked Alex Polo on this show. Um, his fried chicken will, uh, will please us all. But at the same time, I don't see any real feasible argument that you could put Polo above McLaughlin, in my opinion. I think... Ben- I think McLaughlin deserved a higher spot than Polo did, especially given McLaughlin beat Polo head to head multiple times this season. <laughs> like, one like, literally li- finished over the other in the championship. Yeah, like, in the and on track, King. Like, that was like, tw- like twice McLaughlin beat Polo over the line one and two. Like, no, Zoe, I see you in the chat. I don't care if he's that wholesome Spanish bitch. Um, <laughs> I mean, Zoe makes a fair point. Indie bad luck is probably what Auto Sport is using here, which, okay, there is an argument to that, that Polo did get kind of screwed. The way the 500 played out, he was on fumes in his fuel tank. They pushed a stint, and the caution came out at the wrong time. There is something to that. Polo had a very strong... Uh, 500 uh, week in general. Um, so there is something to that, certainly. But you've got to take the burden of hand to a degree here as well. And I think McLaughlin just was the more impressive driver to me over the course of the season than Polo's title defense. Apart from the end, obviously, where Polo decided to curb stomp the field. Um, <clears throat> is it uh, recency the- bias? You I'd think say, it's recency bias? I'd say <laughs> it's part recency bias, part spotlight bias because a lot of the later half of the season was talking about where's Polo going to go next year is he going to be at Penske next year yeah he dominated the headlines more than any other driver in the IndyCar series yeah by a country mile it was huge um yeah it's, again there's there's probably something to that too um 
yeah, so, okay, yeah, it's not stupidly egregious, but it is very funny to look at that observation <laughs> and see Polo above McLaughlin, despite that McLaughlin was better than Polo in the championship like, this year. If we're going to do that, like, try to be subtle with it. Slot a driver in between the two. Don't have them back to back. Yeah, because that's, f- that's the first thing people are going to point out. <laughs> like, what are we doing here? Like, next up. <sighs> next on the list, uh, IMSA champion. Third in ETCR. This is the first time I'm even hearing he drove in ETCR. He did what now? <laughs> uh, number 28 on the list. I mean, 26 on the list. Stig's son, Tom Blomquist. Hmm. This feels high. This feels a little high to me, given the names around him. Like, just not massively high, but it feels a little high to me. I'd say... He is IMSA champion. Yeah, that's something. Daytona 24-hour winner as well. Yeah, Daytona 24-hour winner. Mm -hmm. He he won Petit as well. He won Petit Uh, to win the championship over the aforementioned Felipe Albuquerque. I'd say... Okay. I I do agree with Duray to some degree. It is a bit high. I think there is a lot of excitement heading into the new GTP era. Uh, Sure. I'd probably have him, like... Maybe 30, 31. Like, this, he would have been the perfect guy to slot in between. Right! <laughs> you missed the boat by one here. Like, to make it a little bit, have been a bit more forgivable on the ranking, and he wouldn't have immediately pointed out the IndyCar fallacy here. Yeah. Um, you, you screwed the pooch on this one, IndyCar. Yeah, I think you missed the trick on this one. But, uh, no, okay, a little high, but, again, don't have a huge problem with it. Next up... Next on the list are Midway Man. Uh, let's see. Extreme E champion. So that kind of gives it away. Oh. Uh, winner of the race of champions. Second at the Dakar. Uh, second in the World Rally Raid Championship and its inaugural running. And somehow still 11th in the World Rally Championship. Sebastian Lowe. <laughs> it's weird talking about Loeb in this position, isn't it? Um, <laughs> just- Almost dude was busy. This year. Yeah. Oh yeah. Busy in everything except the major championship he's probably most known for. It's it's funny how these things turn out. I mean, how do you evaluate Loeb in the grand scheme of things here? Because he's done a lot in a lot of like minor championships compared to where we've had other guys around this spot on this list. No, yeah, admittedly, like he's a, he's a hard he's a hard guy to place. Yeah, he's a hard guy to place. He still has this iconic status. He's still shown that he is one of the best in the World Rally Championship. He won with, Rally Monte Carlo. Yeah, his record, his record-extending victory at Rally Monte Carlo. <laughs> like he is, I'd say he's been a a driver of highlights without the full appearance. Right, which is like again, how high do you want to put a highlight reel guy? Yeah, that feels again. It feels a bit high for that very reason, but. Uh, I guess, Loeb? I mean, again, it still feels a bit high there to me. Um, next up? Yep, next up on our list, number 24. Man, he, was... <laughs> he was a 8-act GT Masters champion, won the 24 Hours of Spa, GT World Challenge Europe champion. Uh, it is Raffaele Marcello, the arguably pound-for-pound pound best guy in a GT car. Hmm. 
Marcello was really, really, really good in sports cars this year. Um, Driver of the Year finalist on the M101 Awards. He was indeed, yeah. I was about to mention that, yeah. I mean, he got nominated for good reason. He was the best in the world in a GT car this season. Where should that put you, though? And that's where I'm not sure. I, I'd say it's, to me, it's always hard to place GT, like GT drivers in particular, even compared to the, the prototype drivers. Because not only is it a very team and manufacturer favored form of racing, but there isn't one individual championship or accolade to say that you are best in the world. All the major races tend to not really be a part of championships or separate championships. And it's always hard to play someone like Marcello, especially because he only has, in terms of major victories this year, he only has the spa 24 hours. As well, he does big. have the Indianapolis eight hour. I know that's not the, yeah, the I know that's not. not the part that everybody cares about, <laughs> but it was the one that I was at. And that's why it's important to me. Yeah. Why, why are we not about me? <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's hard to place GT drivers. Yeah, it's, it's good though. He is very good. I mean, yeah, I can't disagree with anything King just said there. That that definitely makes a lot of sense. Uh, next up. Next up on the list, uh, eighth in the Formula One World Championship. Let's see. He is up 10 spots on last year. Number 23, Ooh. Esteban Ocon. This is interesting. This is an interesting placement because... Ocon wasn't like, like did you say he was up ten, King? Yeah, he's up ten. Okay, okay, I'm I'm okay with this. Um, I was gonna say like, it's a weird one because Ocon was probably then just underrated last year because this is, feels like a much better spot for him than the like, you know, mid thirties because it's weird in a sense as well because Alonso was definitively I think better than him this year in F one. Um, Ocon wasn't quite as good year two with the Alonso pairing, and I've got a feeling that Alonso will probably feature higher up on this list because he's Fernando. We've been here before, folks. Um, so I'm kind of conflicted on that one, but given that Ocon was pretty damn good in an Alpine still, I think I'm okay with this. Yeah, I'd say... Right where I'd put him, maybe I'd probably have him a bit lower, like maybe a handful of spots, not by that much. Yeah, but it's it's right where he should be. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, that's a little high, but again, I don't think it's too egregious. Next, okay, next up on the list, uh, the apparently second driver or third driver in a trio. Uh, well, second on the list for this trio, the World Endurance Champion and 24 Hour Le Mans winner. Number 22, re-airing the list, Brendan Hartley. Ah, good to have our long-haired friend back. Um, hmm. Well, Jay, what do you make of this one? Um, so going over Gary Watkins' qualifying criteria, um, he started qualifying twice, first at Le Mans, where he took pull off of Kobayashi, and then in Bahrain, where he took the top spot by the better part of over a second, which is not a small margin. Uh, him and Sebastian Buemi uh, were very much carrying the team. I will say this for free. I love Ryo Hirakawa. I love him to death. He is one of my favorite drivers. He was not the guy in this first season in a hypercar, and he didn't have to be, and that's fine. I'm not 
I'm not miffed that he missed out on this list if Lemmy and Hartley got in. It's just, I don't know. But Hartley, I'm fine with him being the top driver ranked in this list because he was very much the guy of this team in this season. Okay, fair enough. I'll go with RJ's opinion on that one then. Next up. Okay, so next on the list, up seven spots on last year, number 21, uh, Tomoki Nojiri. Oh, the two-time, back-to-back, Super Formula champion. The first time that's been done in 14 years that anybody's won consecutive championships. In 10 races, he finished them all, and he never finished worse than fourth. It's a pretty good season. (laughs) Amazing season. Uh, To me, I think he should be in the high teens, like, honestly. Yeah, I mean... I'd, I'd make a case that Super Formula is a more prolific single seat relevant to F1 compared to Formula E is. Yeah. And he's had an incredible season and he's retained a really high ranking single seater title. I can't believe it. This actually feels a little low. Yeah. <laughs> it does feel a little bit low on that one. But hey, I'm glad we've gotten some Japanese representation back on this on the higher end of this list. Because hey, I mean, right, yeah, because last it. last year we said you know the lack of representation was pretty bad and it was really low. He won the champ in races where you can score up to twenty three points in a rate and a round. He won the championship by sixty five points. Yeah, he only had two wins this season, but he had eight podiums. <laughs> yeah. Pretty consistent <laughs> with six pole positions and all the bonus points that came with him. Mm. This dude is good. Like this is all off of a super formula season because his super GT campaign with ARTA was not it. Right. And uh you know, glancing through the list, I don't think a super GT driver even makes this list. It was the only driver from the Japanese supers that made the list. Damn. Damn. That stinks. Next uh, up, it's better than nothing. All right, let's get into our next batch of the top 10 uh, with uh, with one of the breakout stars in all of motorsport, another representative for the NASCAR Cup Series. In fact, this year's championship runner-up. Oh, you know him. Champion, goddamn. Ross Chastain. <laughs> the Melon Man. Um, Ross Chastain. Now, I like this. I do like this. I I have a soft spot for Chastain, and to be fair, who doesn't after how Martinsville went down? Um, yeah, like I like this. Um, he was really good. He was really good in NASCAR this season. And, you know, if anything, he could have had an even better season in the regular season if he didn't make so many silly mistakes. And, yeah. and you know, there was teething problems with Chastain's season, no doubt. But again, down the clutch. Well, he doesn't get much more clutch than well. You know the one. Um, oh, yeah. You know the one. Uh, yeah. Uh, the single greatest highlight, maybe, of motorsport this decade. Um, yeah. Just ridiculous stuff. Um, yeah. So, I'm okay with Chastain here. I wonder if he's the highest-ranked NASCAR guy here. Because um, Christopher Bell, we, we, we saw us in the 30s there. Chastain ended up cracked just about on the top 20 zone. Interesting. Okay, yep. carry on. Hmm. At number 19 on the list is another World Endurance Champion. 
but not in prototypes. He's the World Endurance GT champion. He also recently took an overall win in the Intercontinental GT Challenge Golf 12 Hours. Mm. Is Alessandro Pierguidi of AF Corsa Ferrari. This feels high. I, I, I have a feeling it was mainly, I think, he had a couple really good moments this year that had him on this list. Like, I feel what he had like a marathon stint at spa in the wet that really impressed a lot of people. Yeah. The, Gary Watkins mm. mentions that he mentions at the finale in Bahrain where Alley produced the most amazing performance, one that sealed the title for himself and James Collado when all looked lost. So he and James Collado, the final GTE pro champions, because that class is going away from the world endurance championship and the 24 hours of Lamar next season. He okay. also left the car. He also finished that race with a broken gearbox and just left it in fifth the whole time. <laughs> oh, very end center. Yeah, um, he, had a, he had a year of moments. A year. I, I guess that's probably helped him out a little bit here. And I mean, it's, if you, you, it's just the stuff you remember that gets you up these lists and you know will break those ties in people's minds. So I get it. I still think he feels a little bit high to me, but eh, I think they've talked themselves into that one. No. Our number 18 inclusion on the list is a two-time winner in his championship. Uh, he did win a pole position. He was third in this year's Formula One World Championship. Sergio oh. Perez. Number uh. 18 on the list. Up seven from last season. Mm. He's up seven on the back of this season? Uh... Yeah, you have to admit, like last year for Perez was yeah. <laughs> pretty bad. Yeah, it was pretty bad, not gonna lie. Um, this year was it started better. Um, it's a weird one for me because the second half of this of this season in F1, he was thoroughly ripped to shreds by Max. Um but he was still good enough to keep that runners up fight going all the way to the final round and only narrowly lost out to Charles Leclerc in the end. So yeah, it's hard, it's hard not to bump him up here, but maybe not as many spots. I, that's the impression that I get. But the guy that was third in the championship is only in the teens. I are. Our number 17 entry uh, is up 12 spots from last year. He was a two-time winner in his championship, both on street circuits. He finished third in this year's IndyCar Series point standings. And if not for one mile per hour over the speed limit, oh. would have been a two-time Indianapolis 500 winner, Scott Ditson, at hmm. number 17. Okay. Feels about right. Yeah, it feels about right. And I think, you know, besides third, besides third in the series championship, he also broke the track record at Indianapolis. Yeah. Quite possibly the greatest quarterfying run in the Indian in the history of the Indianapolis Speedway. Um, we were on our feet during that run this year, um, watching that live as it happened. Um, yeah, wow. Um, yeah, I mean, his entire championship boiled down to that pit lane speed violation at the Indy 500. It would have been a double bill, and Dixon's probably in the top three if it's not for that. Um, yeah. And it's it's not circumstance. It's not anything. It was purely driver error. Yeah, and that is an understandable penalty. He's uh, he's paid dearly for that mistake on and off the track here. So yeah, um, haven't got too many arguments about that one. I think that's actually about right. 
We go back to the world of rallying for a number 16 entry, a re-entry mm. into this re- list, uh, a three-time rally winner this season from the Hyundai team now moving to M Sport. It's the unsinkable Oit Tanak. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's about right. Like, uh, it, this year for the World Rally Championship is, I would say, hard to grade because I, I feel, I don't think anyone on this list should be higher. Mainly because this year was a story of the two Sebastians going doing part time, yeah, and uh, the champion literally being unstoppable. Yeah, that's what it feels like. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, Raddy's hard to evaluate. We've kind of established that over the course of the show. Yeah, seems about right. Next up at number fifteen on the list and moving up twenty three places from last season. The man that finished third in this year's FIA Formula E Championship uh, from the team formerly known as Venturi, it's Eduardo Mortara. This is this is the part where I've just replaced my picture <laughs> with a picture of the uh, dog meme with the smug face of going, I like him. Because um, that's kind of how I feel about Mortara. And yeah, narrowly missed out on the Formula E title. As mentioned, we know these guys here inflate Formula E, just a little bit in my opinion um, and Motara was right in the mix all the way throughout the year he's an excellent Formula E driver one of the best pound for pound out there another really solid year for Motara um, you know didn't quite win the title but could have done uh, if a few more results went his had way had more wins than any other driver in the series mm. for um, was looking good going into New York and then it just kind of wasn't and then it was still looking kind of good into London, and then it wasn't. Exactly. Um, that's kind of how I feel about it in that sense. And yeah, like I haven't got too many issues with that one either. I think I think Motar is, is worthy of a spot in the top 20 and in the teen spot. So yeah, I'm fine with that. Our number 14 entry uh, dropped seven spots from last season. Uh-oh. But... This season, he did win his first race after years and years of effort, powering him to fifth in this year's Formula One World Championship. Carlos Sainz Jr. This is an interesting one. Yeah. So they had Sainz over Perez. They sure did. Not sure how I feel about that one. Oh, man. This... I, I, I think of the backups at the two respective big gunners, Perez was better than Sainz. Not by much, but uh, this is this is a tricky one. This this is difficult because they had signs in front, and I'm not sure how I feel about that one. Like it's with a mission that yes, early on in the season, Carlos Signs was getting comprehensively outperformed by Charles Leclerc. Signs did close the gap towards the end of the season to the point where people are now thinking, I don't know. Maybe they might be even going into 2023. We'll see about that, of course. But I, yeah. I doubt that first and foremost. But like when I did my top 10 F1 list, I had the I had it the other way around. I had Perez ahead of Signs, and I still feel that way now about it. Um, Signs definitely was a is his some of the key numbers had him a little under the radar for the year, but I still think Perez was better. So I I, I don't. I mean, I'm glad they're at least reasonably close. Right, and so you could make an argument one way or the other, but signs feels 
It feels generous having him above Perez. That's my opinion. Our take the driver. Hold that thought. <laughs> Up 11 spots from last season. Uh-oh. A man who qualified on the front row in Formula One this season. A man who finished ninth in the Formula One World Championship. The former two-time back-to-back champion of the world, Fernando Alonso, comes huh? in at number 13 on the list. <laughs> I was waiting I was waiting for his name to come. I was like, why haven't I heard Alonso yet? And I'm just like, annoyingly, as much as it's fun for me to dunk on this man, and as much as it and trust me, and RJ knows this very well, I've never lacked the opportunity. Um I'm fine with this. Really? I thought I fought pound for pound. I mean, um, I, for those of you who haven't read my top 10 list of my drivers on the year, funnily enough, I had Sainz 8th, Perez 7th, and I had Alonso 6th. Damn. I, I genuinely thought that Alonso pound for pound was just really, really good this year. I, 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 I can't dunk on the man when he's driving so well, okay? It's just, <laughs> like, it's... Like, I want to, but, like... I think Alonso would have given Lando Norris something to think about if it was not for the fact that the Alpine had the reliability of a pig this year. Um, they did it on purpose. I will say this is a bit better than Alonso making the list in a year where he failed to qualify for the Indianapolis <laughs> 500, carried entirely off of his WEC results. <laughs> I, I, oh. I, I do. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm experiencing war flashbacks at the moment here. It's like that video when Nico Rosberg does his does his hot lap around Catalonia and he sees turn four in front of him. It's like ah, I don't know much about this quarter. We'll just move on. Um, that, like, I, I think it's I, honestly. I think given how I had the F1 guys and I thought Alonso was the sixth best F1 driver this year and ahead of Signs and Perez, I can't really argue with this spot. In fact, you, you can have this one, RJ. You win this round. <laughs> Never, never wrong. Just early. (laughs) (laughs) Number number 12 on the list. Down one spot. The man who also won four races in Formula E this season. The man who finished runner up in the championship headlined by a weekend sweep of the Rome E Prix. You know him. You love him because you picked him to win the championship. Mitch Evans. (laughs) Mitch One more time to round off the year. Um, Yeah, okay. Um, Look, again, I still, I maintain my previous point. I still think they overvalue Formula E just a smidge. But given he was championship runner-up and given that this was without question the closest Mitch has come to winning a title, which, I mean, we joke, I mean, King was right in the end about Jaguar all along again. You can't back Jaguar to win these things. You just can't. And I was the victim of this because I made it my bit for the year. And uh, the bit bit me in the arse down the stretch badly. Um, yeah, okay. Have Mitch, have Mitch 12th. Look, um, you, didn't, you didn't make being a Jaguar fan your entire personality. No. <laughs> You're just very committed to, them, to, the, to the pick of them winning the championship. That's fine. Yeah, it was I, great this season. He was outstanding. He did a very, very good job. Dominated Rome, was in contention pretty much all the way throughout the year until the very end. It was always going to be a bit of a long shot down London. the stretch. But... 
London. Ugh, London. That was a that was a bitter. But see, see, to have my to have my pick fall apart on home soil, literally like an hour away from me, is very painful to my psyche. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, again, it feels a little high, but not stupidly egregious. Again, so yeah, I think okay, twelfth, fine. Next to round off this block of ten. Um is a re-entry into the list at number 11. The man who bookended his calendar year with scintillating victories. One of those was in a non-championship race held inside of a football coliseum. The other was in a championship-deciding race held in the desert in Phoenix, Arizona. It's the man who saves at the pump, (sighs) Joey Logano, the two-time NASCAR Cup Series champion. He saved at the pump? The pump. The pump! Is that the pump, bro? <laughs> How much do I want to piss on this just because I don't like Joey Logano very much? <laughs> um, that feels unfair. Yeah. Normally, the NASCAR champ's normally a little higher than this, um, which I think is interesting. So, 11 for Logano? Ironically, Denny Hamlin's number? Um, coincidence? Um, <laughs> I don't know, but. Okay. Um, given I don't think anyone was particularly outstanding in a pretty freaky NASCAR season, by all accounts, um, having the best driver they had in the series, 11th pound for pound, does add up. So, okay. I'm I'm okay with that. He won, in addition, he won the spring race at Darlington, I believe. Did mm-hmm. win that, so it wasn't all just like you know the the Coliseum. He won the uh, the South Point four hundred, and he won at Las Vegas, you know, which was definitely the main talking point coming out of that Vegas playoff race. <sighs> now we get into the top ten. This yeah. is the moment where every, This is the moment we've all been building towards. Mm. Oh man, and we're definitely into the heavy hitters early, up six spots this year. The Australian Supercars champion broke the single season win record this year with 21 wins. Number 10, Shane Van Gisbergen. Love it. <laughs> love it. I love this pick. Look, I, I don't claim to be a big supercars watcher, but I will watch anything else with Shane Van Gisbergen in it. The man is a monster. He's just he he's very much of the McLaughlin mold of you just put this guy's mind to to wheels and he'll find a way to get it done. Again, and should note a part of that mindset made his Lamar debut this year and scored a podium in his rally debut in WRC two at Rally New Zealand. He's a monster. Dude, <laughs> if if he was a few years younger, he would uh, he would have entertained the switch to IndyCar. I think. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Like, oh gosh, I would have loved to have seen that. I would still love to see that. Like, absolutely. Um, you, you put this man in the Daytona Five Hundred. You get <laughs> sure. him Elio up in there. Sure, if we can get Helio up there at 78 years old, there's no reason why we can't have Van Gisberg and get a car. Get, get, track house. Hey, hey. <laughs> do, do my boy a solid, all right? Get, get, let's, let's get him in a race car. No, well, I, 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 the I, 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 rumor I, is... Oh. Yes. <laughs> I didn't even know this. That's awesome. <laughs> do it. Do the thing, track house. Oh, I, would, I would love to see it. Do the things. Do the race car things. Yeah, I love this pick. 
unequivocally. I'm so glad that SVG made the top 10. I was worried he wasn't going to feature, but I'm so glad he's in there. And at a very, very high spot. That's a heavy hitter. Deserved top 10 spot for, for Shane. Love that. <laughs> okay, so next driver on the list... Let's see, how many spots is he down this year? Six down on on last year. Uh, oh. Seventh in the Formula One World Championship. Number nine, Lano Norris. <laughs> wow. They took six spots off Lando Norris? Uh, wow. Every, everybody was saying, oh, they're going to rate Lando Norris number one because of British bias. Well... We haven't heard George Russell's name yet, but um, this is an interesting one because I made the point about this, that Lando Norris had another really, really good F1 season. Like, you know, best of the rest, clear seventh place in the the F1 championship. It's a hard one, though, because Daniel Ricciardo was probably so bad by relative standards that it's probably made Norris's really good season look worse by proxy. Um, And that's a shame, because Norris didn't really do anything wrong here. He's had an excellent season, but the overall stock of McLaren is probably just lower at the moment, hence why he's taking such a heavy drop. That and the fact that that the top end of F1's a lot rosier than it was in 2021, which probably um, has done Lando no favors here. Amazingly, I'm actually good with this, of Norris at nine. Um, Autosport have actually done a good thing by showing that they're not entirely British biased yet. Yeah. Next. <laughs> Next. Okay. Number eight on the list. He is up 34 spots on last year. He hmm. is the 2022 IndyCar Series champion. Number eight, Will Power. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Joseph Newgarden's name's not been mentioned yet. Uh, I think we should do this as a package deal. Number seven on the list. No. Uh, <laughs> Up 11 spots on last what? year. What? Runner up in the IndyCar Series Championship, Joseph Newgarden. Oh, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> You've done this twice on the same list. <laughs> Just, oh. so, so, so you, you got McLaughlin and Polo back to back with the higher ranking, with the higher ranking guy in the highest spot, and they did it again with Power and Newgarden. No, look, I'm sorry. I love Joseph. Okay, I guess the argument you could make was that New Garden had what happened in Iowa, and that. So, m- yeah, so David Malcher Lopez writes for for a third straight year, Joseph Newgarden finished runner up in the IndyCar series in the IndyCar Championship, but in our estimation, by small margin, he was the top dog. Will Power <laughs> had an average finish this season of under six. I know. It was 5.8. Like, what? look, I love Joseph. I, and everybody knows I love Joseph. And we all love the bus bros on this show, okay? But I I can't get there with New Garden. Like, I get it. New Garden was the flashy one because he had the five wins on the year, the the ultimate upside that Power probably didn't have. A over million the dollar of- bonus. 
Yeah, you know the the he, he the, the <laughs> inverted commas triple crown. No. Um, so I'm just gonna mention in the chat. Zoe robbed my son was robbed <laughs> in capital letters. Robbed my son was robbed. Boss bro was robbed too. Um, I, I don't know, Zoe. Tell us how you really feel. Um, but it, it's again. I guess you can make that argument, but in IndyCar, with it being as competitive as it is, consistency means more than race wins. That's what I've always yeah. said. Average finish, I think, is often a better indicator than number of wins, and Power's average finish was, I think, a good two spots better than anybody else. Yeah, and he, that- even though he only had one win on the year, but he had five poles and broke the all-time pole record. <laughs> Five poles, broke the all-time pole record, and was, I think, only off the podium four times, only off the top four, four times all year. Like It was a good year. It was a good-ass year. Powell's season was ridiculous. Like, just consistency. He was there every it's, weekend. It's not a, It's not that terribly egregious. At least they're back-to-back. At least they didn't put, like, <laughs> Newgarden, like, five spots ahead of Will Power because Will Power's just a points accumulator or whatever the heck. Ugh. Like, it... it it reeks of rocking the boat to be different. Like, it doesn't even... Like, we've gone past the point of, okay, maybe Joseph was better this year. No, you're just doing it because they were close and he wanted to be different. You went for, yeah, you went for upside guy. Yeah, and, and I, I don't think upside guy had as strong a case as he's had in previous years. Um, Powell won this championship for good reason. Um... Uh, yeah, as as far as I'm concerned, I think power should be above New Garden. I'm glad New Garden is also like really high up the zip because he should be. No. Um, in a vacuum, in a vacuum, I don't have a huge problem with where he is exactly, but he should not be above willpower, and that is silly. Next, I, I would just say before we move on mm. that I had willpower number one when I did my top ten IndyCar drivers of 2022 for RaceFans.net. <laughs> I oh, also yeah. had Pato Award in my top five between McLaughlin and Ditson. Alex Below just missed my top five. Damn, yeah. Pato, Pato was unlucky not to make the top fifty in general because yeah, yeah Pato was a Pato was really good again for for, for McLaren. Half his bad shit this year wasn't on him. Um, yeah. so. Yeah, Pato's unlucky. That, that 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 wholesome Mexican bitch can drive. Um, yeah, he's, he's he's the true wholesome one, Zoe. You got that? Not Alex. <laughs> him. <laughs> you got that? Get get Pato award in an F one testing role, okay? Well, <laughs> anyway. I mean, only thing I have against Pato Ward is he tries to sell people NFTs. That's the only thing. <laughs> well, you, you can't you can't I mean, win them. I mean, you can't every, win them all. Everybody does that now. They're all late on the boat. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about our number six man. Does, yeah. he, does he sell NFTs too? Hmm. Uh, number six guy? No, he doesn't. Uh, re-entering okay. the list, uh, our former league champion, Stoffel Van Dorn. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I had a feeling this was going to come next. Um, Stoffel, really, really good in Formula E this year. Good Lord. Um, and again, as we've said before, they love FE. FE champ is normally top six to eight. I think Vern was third one year. Um, yeah. they, re- they really gassed up Vern one year. So this is normally about the range GFE champion sits. And yeah, Stoffel was clearly a cut above Mitch Evans this year. And Evans was, you know, already in the upper teens, uh, just outside the top 10. So Stoffel was going to be around this sort of range somewhere. Yeah, that's a fine pick. I, 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 I would put Stoffel maybe eighth. I would have put the Fair. two IndyCar guys of New Garden and Power above him, 
But again, I don't think that's hugely out of whack. <laughs> no, it, it was great this year. Like everybody wanted more consistency, less weirdness in Formula E, and you got it. Yeah, and the quality driver of the field, I'd argue, you know, shined brightest. Yep. Now, like anyone who watched him in F1 and knows the context of his McLaren run there knows how good Stoffel is. So, Dude, did you see the chart of his uh, his GP2 slash F2? points points available versus points scored man they really turned that cut a prime rib into utility grade well done hamburger oh yeah oh yeah it's 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 like taking a prime piece of wagyu beef and then putting it through a mince grinder it's just not good um yeah that seems about right next up next up on the list up seven spots on last year. Uh, fourth in the Formula One World Championship. George? George Russell. George. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Yep. Yeah, um, yeah. George was fourth on my F1 list, so he's going to be about right here. Um, yeah, yeah, i got no issue with that. Look, Russell, and I think I know who's going to be next. Uh, but we'll, we'll wait and see. But I think that's about right. George was excellent this year. Really consistent, fast across the board, did everything you could ever ask of him in that Mercedes for a first year in that seat. And you could make a very strong case he had a better season than Lewis Hamilton did. Um, if you had Russell above Hamilton on your pound for pound list, I wouldn't argue with you. So, yeah. And if you're, look, best case scenario, you're Hamilton 2.0. Do you know how good a compliment that is? <laughs> to be the good. successor to the statistically greatest driver of all time. Yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty good going for the most part. So, yeah, all for it. Yeah, George is there. I'm fine with that. Good. Okay. Next up on our list, sixth in the Formula One World Championship. Down three spots last year. Number four. Lewis Hamilton. I knew I knew Hamilton was coming next. <laughs> I could have guessed this one. Um, yeah, I had Hamilton ahead by a nose on my list. The reason why I had Hamilton, I, I went back and forth on this one a lot, to be honest. Um, the reason I gave Hamilton the nose just above Russell was it's blatantly clear that Hamilton sacrificed a good chunk of his early season to help Mercedes get over their porpoising problems. That is something you've got to take into account when you look at the pound-for-pound pound numbers and look at the pace across the board. Yeah, like, there's races like Saudi Arabia where Hamilton got knocked out in Q1, but they tried a, a really extreme setup, and it didn't quite work out. You know, there's there's there was a lot of weekends like that for Lewis. He was also robbed of a fair few safety cars as well. He was on the bad side of the, of the luck on on some of those calls. And in the second half of the year, Hamilton was as good as he's always been, uh, as far as I'm concerned. Once the pace was there in the W13, he extracted it to a large degree. Um, so yeah, I'm again fine with Hamilton here. Absolutely fine with that. You generally align with Matt Q, who wrote the justification of why mm. Hamilton got the nod over Russell, and it basically came down to like he was willing to sacrifice his weekends to sort out the problems with his car. Yeah, 
And you know, it, you got to value that sort of team player role in in F one. It probably was all the more useful for them down the stretch when their car was better. There's no doubt about that. The Hamilton was a key contribution towards that. This is not to dismiss anything that Russell had done this year. Russell, like I said, was outstanding this season. One of the drivers of the year, no question. Um, but yeah, I, I I agree with that nod. Top no. three, top three. Up 28 spots on last year. Uh, the World Rally Champion broke the youngest record for World Rally Champion by five years. Wow. Uh, dominant first half of the season, kind of tapered off at the end, but albeit still a dominant year for the newest champion, Cali Roven Para. Nominated on our driver of the year list as well. So I, I have You're no. Welcome. Yeah, you, yeah, thanks, RJ. Um, yeah, he was incredible in the in the WRC this year. Um, we've got a few ratty guys on our Discord server. They were gushing over Roven Perry this year. <laughs> um, gushing, I think is the phrase we're looking for, especially in the first half of the year. My word. Yeah. Um, so he opened off his season winning what five of the first seven rallies. Yeah, incredible. Um, that that's something you'd expect from some other Sebastian on this list. <laughs> well, one of the three, but you know what I mean. Um, but yeah, that's absolutely fine. World Rally Champ normally peaks around here as well. So again, it's consistent with how Autosport normally ranks these dudes. Yep, fine. I'm completely fine with that. Hmm. I wonder nope. who's second. <laughs> yeah, I wonder who's the top two on the list. Hmm. We kind of whittled down the surprise here. Yeah, we whittled down the surprise. Okay, here we go. Number two on the list, same spot as last year, Max Verstappen. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> King, I swear to God. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Up four spots on last year, second in the World Drivers Championship, Charles Leclerc. Yeah, that's absolutely fine. That's exactly where he should be, quite frankly. And look, it is look if if you're the sort of person that puts power rankings a bit more strongly at this point, Charles Leclerc, Charles Leclerc's runner-up is right. He is the second best driver in the world right now. Pound for pound. Honestly, I'm going to be real with you. If oh? I was doing this list, I'd probably have Roman Perez second, Leclerc third. Sure. <laughs> I mean, look, I'm never going to argue over a one-place difference at the end yeah. of the day, but yeah, I mean... <laughs> I mean, when, you, when you're this close to the top, one place makes a big difference. Oh, yeah, because it, it, it sticks out that much more. Um, yeah, I mean, F1 is F1. He was the clear... For, for me, I think he was far better than Sergio Perez was pound for pound this year. Yeah. Charles Leclerc had one significant mistake all year, and that was... You know, joining Ferrari. No, I'm joking. It was uh, it was it was France. The uh, most of the other shit was either minor or you could put it down to the team letting the man down. He is a phenomenal racing driver. He really is one of the best of the best right now. And it's for me, it's Verstappen, Leclerc, and Hamilton in that elite group of three with Russell and Norris banging on the door. Um, Charles Leclerc is incredible. Um, this was his best year in F1, and yet it will still feel so painful to him once he's back at Monaco, putting his feet up for for the for the uh, winter break. Yeah. It's it's amazing how this sport turns out sometimes. Yeah, and obviously, uh, no money for guessing who's number one. Kyle Larson. 
Get out. <laughs> what I think what the stat was like he was number two on the last five top fifty lists. Yeah, God. finally at number one, the world champion Max Verstappen. It only took one of the greatest F1 seasons ever put together for Max Verstappen to finally reach the promised <laughs> land. Well, just, just, just to run in the mill, fifteen win season. Um, yeah, you know that things I mean, happen all the time. I mean, considering last year, it was fair. He was number two. Yeah, I mean, okay, like, like I can't argue with that for last year or for the previous five. To be honest with you, Verstappen has been that dude for a little while now, for a good few years, and this was the year that no one can argue that he was was not the best driver in the world. He was incredible all season long. Him and that Red Bull RB18 was in perfect harmony. Red Bull's strongest ever car. It won 17 rounds all year. Verstappen won 15 of those. Eight poles on top. Two sprint wins. An all-time single-season points record. He he was inevitable. He was that guy. You could talk about a race weekend without Max Verstappen in his capacity. And, and, and the weekends where he was fully dialed in, he crushed the field. Japan, where he won a 40-minute sprint race by 27 seconds, you know, or Spa, where he came from 14th on the grid to win by 18 over his teammates. Like, it, it, at times, he was unstoppable. And, yeah, like, there is that is a season that will hold up against anything we've seen in the last 20 years. Um, yeah, it, it's a shame. It's almost a shame, in a sense, it took him this long to get to the number one spot, but there's no arguments this time around. Max Verstappen. Autosport number one driver of the year, and yeah, I I, I can't possibly. I don't think anybody here is arguing with that one, <laughs> right, fellas? Yeah, it's fair. So I guess this is the part where I talk about the list overall. Um, this was a weird one. Um, at its overall core, I didn't have too many problems with it. Um, like I think overall. It was a good list. I, I, I'm actually, you know, I'm, I haven't got too many problems with it. Still a little bit sad about a general lack of Japanese representation. Um, I'm too. I mean, uh, yeah. there, it, it was tough to really evaluate a lot of the Super GT guys because it's a close championship. It is designed to be close by, it's not sports, inter- it's not contrived like sports entertainment bullshit but it was really close and hard to separate the guys yeah not so much in super formula where there's clearly one dude that's like better than the all i i think that is but i think that's genuinely a problem because Mm. we, we saw it with how nascar was represented on the list when a lot of people like they don't directly interpret you know oh they're high up on the list i'm gonna watch them next year but it does play a bit of a factor and if the most competitive series don't get on the list because no one person standing out mm. then you're kind of directing people away from racing that they might want to watch because it's close yeah like you the whole point of the series is by design is to be close that means you shouldn't punish the drivers that are good at that close series if anything it should highlight them better because they stood out so much in a series where it's designed to be close um, it's it kind of works against them, but and it's no fault of the driver's own, and that's unfortunate in that sense. I have to laugh at the IndyCar places in some places because, <laughs> like I said, twice on this list they put 
Palo over McLaughlin and a new garden over power is just straight up bizarre. I think Pano Award deserved a spot. In, and I think Marcus Erickson was was probably the most egregious name. Yeah, to not make Marcus Erickson. Marcus Erickson, your Indianapolis 500 winner, did not make the list after leading the championship for much of the year because that's what finishing on a cooldown will do for you. Yeah, cool. like Marcus Erickson won the 500 and was a title contender all the way through till the pretty much the final weekend of the season. Didn't even crack the top 50. That is very harsh. You know? I think him and Pado Award could have had spots on this list because I think they were the other two outstanding drivers of IndyCar this season that didn't make this list. Um, also, shout out to Zoe, who again in the chat makes a very fine point about what we mentioned a minute ago. Jeff got punished for that last year when it comes to serious consistency problems because I think, remember, King, you read out the asterisk that said all of Formula E got clapped last year because the series was such a mess competitively. No. Um, so, yeah, it's it's something that I think the guys that make the lists need to have a think about going forward because Formula E is, you know... A, a, a messy series at the best of times. Um, anyway, it's like for Gen 3 next, in about three weeks' time. Oh, um, man, anyway. it's going to be a mess. Yeah. Uh, I'd say one thing I'd also add that, you know, it's partly why we don't see any F3 drivers on the list as well. Yeah, Victor Martins, I think, absolutely should have been on this list somewhere. But again, F3 was a bit of a mess this year, especially at the end. And it was very competitive, and that kind of hurts everybody. And so I think yeah. more deliberation needs to be had um, for close-run series, especially when they're designed to be that way. Pour um, one out for Palm to Terhive, too. Tam Porcher doesn't even get on the list for finishing runner-up. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's like you could, you could have had Porsche 48 or 49. Better than fucking WTCR for fuck's sake, um, but you know that, that's like overall, it's not a bad list. Um, but I still, there was still a fair few eyebrow raises on that. Maybe go, huh? Hang on a minute. Um, but is I think get, is it getting less insane? Are we just more? Are we just more desensitized to all the insanity I, going on in the world around us? I'd say it is genuinely getting better year in year out the i list. think it has yeah it's i mean it, it, i think partly it is down to criticism from us not maybe not directly us even though i know some people at autosport do listen to this show oh shit did they <laughs> <laughs> that's news to me um hi autosport um i uh, hope you like the feedback we're, um we're you not know. being mean on purpose we no, love you guys no, no, we, we were nice this year we, we said it was a good list like this is probably the least egregious one i've done in the six we've had like it's getting better year on year this, this no. was genuinely the best one i think we've had so far so I can't really complain about this one too much. There were still a few things that was eyebrow popping, but I, for the most part, I think this was fine uh, for the most part. I'm, I've got too many problems with it. Um, yeah, good times all around, gentlemen. Um, yep. Pleasure as always to, to share this one with you. Um, yeah, well, this is our final episode of 2022. So thank you to everyone that's listened over the course of the year. Thanks this to all. Actually, our last episode of the year. Thank yeah. goodness. Yeah, we're going to take a couple of weeks out. We'll be back in about two weeks' time to preview the Gen Free era of Formula E. <laughs> good luck with that one. <laughs> 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 We're going to need it um, because the vibes in that series right now are immaculate in inverted oh, commas. The vibes are off and the shipping dates are off. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> 
that's going to be fun. We'll see you in a couple of weeks' time. Um, basically, you can find us one more time, YouTube, Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. You can find King over on Jalopnik, RJ over at Race Fans. Twitter handles at Ryan Eric King at RJ O'Connell. Um, you can find me at Harrison 101 HD. Our podcast itself at Motorsport underscore 101. Forgot to mention the Instagram. Instagram, Motorsport 101 pod. Check us out on there. Um, of course, on that website with all our content and all our stuff on there, as ever, motorsport101.com. And of course, you can back us on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash M101. Thank you all very much for listening. Hope you had a lovely Christmas. Happy New Year. Hope 2023 is not 2020 part four. Um, and until next time, I've been Dre Harrison. They've been RJ O'Connell and Ryan Eric King. Until next time, sayonara. Merry Christmas and happy holidays and happy new year, y'all. Bye.